the most amazing, incredible, unbelievable story that you never thought would ever happen, happened to me this past week. But that's a story for another time. Because here we are again, back with another episode of Devil's Do, about to uh, leave behind uh, uh, darker times, one might say, and, and move forward into into the bright-ish future of Star Wars. Here we are back again, sir. How are you doing? See what you did there with the with the. Dude, I did it. Yeah, that's. I see what you did there. <laughs> I'm glad. I'm glad you saw what I did there. It was intentional, <laughs> and, and on point, and on 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 topic. Yes. Ah, uh, how are you? I I am doing well, sir. How are you? Uh, as well as one can be expected, given um, the collapse of civilization as we know it. Yeah. Uh, it's not really going out with a bang, just much a lot of little pops and whimpers. Yeah, but yeah, hey, yeah. we're going to be here making fun of it until the last ember smolders out. Uh, so, how have your weeks been? What have you been up to? <laughs> um, not not a ton. Um, let's see here. I finally beat Doom Eternal. I'm not sure if that's news or not. But yeah, I finally did it. Okay. Um, yeah. Now, when you, say, when you yeah. say finally did it, was this like, you know, it was so hard that it took you this long to beat it, or that it was kind of like, well, I've done laundry today? Uh, little column A, little column B, to be honest with okay. you. And uh, I got to tell you, my opinions on that game are very divided <laughs> they've gone back and forth a couple times I, I'm, I'm i know i said i hated it and then i said i don't hate it so um I, i'll say this it, it's it's one of the great disappointments in recent memory of 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 anything probably probably the greatest disappointment um i've i've had in in, in a, a media experience in a long long time so it, it's it's not without its charm, but overall, I feel like it really missed the mark, and I don't like it. And uh, yeah, 2016 is uh, my jam, and I'm sticking to that. So anyway, yeah, I beat Eternal, and uh, I I don't foresee um, a replay or uh, the 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 profane the. Uh, what are, the double the double buy that I that I uh, said that I was going to do for the Switch because I was so amped up to get the game before the game came out that I was going to buy it twice just like I did for 2016. I yep. won't I won't be buying the Switch version of Doom Eternal. <laughs> it's, it's not worth it. It's just not. So yeah, uh, that's done. Um, playing a lot of Animal Crossing as per usual, trying to do some new uh, ideas and designs for stuff on my island. Um, I've done some mixing on the Long Cold Dark record. I'm starting to write lyrics for one of the remaining three songs I have to record vocals for. Um, that's a challenge, but I will overcome. Uh, it's tough. Lyrics are hard. 
right writing is difficult um yes it is i mean i'm i'm a, I'm, I'm a very let's just i'm not trying to like toot my own horn or anything because i i'm not exactly like renowned or published or anything but I, i'm i'm a I, I do say so myself i'm a good writer um but writing lyrics can be very very hard only because my bar is very high and like i i have uh a strong desire to be more metaphorical and use more kind of idioms and that sort of thing and uh when time comes to put pen to paper i just can't seem to do that i'm not as uh i can't turn turn a lyrical phrase quite as well as my heroes so i beat myself up over it a lot so i'm trying to just make it as as good as i can um it's it's tough but working on it working on it um have you ever tried writing the lyrics before these? Oh God, no, 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 no. Because uh, it it's that the way uh, the way uh, metal generally generally works is like you're not exactly you know putting chords under words. You're you're writing riffs and you're writing musical passages, and then you kind of have to fit fit the 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 lyrics and the vocals on top of that it it very rarely works the other way around um what i will do though is i you know i'll have a song title that i kind of like so i'll jot that down just something that sounds interesting or cool and i kind of uh can bend lyrics around that or like a theme or a theme or an idea um and then i can bend a title or or lyrics around that but um i'll i i never write lyrics first But anyway, that's that's been uh, tricky. But I'll get it. I'll get it done. Oh, you know what? I forgot to do. By the way, I'm, I I, I, apo- I apologize. There, there it is. Let's 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 get that going here. All right. Now we're standing on ceremony. <laughs> okay. Um. But uh, I hung a door in the studio. You'll you'll see that if we ever gather in the studio again together. Um, nice. So the laundry is now separated from the studio entirely, which is great. Uh, cool. The next step is going to be to finally start putting up trim and stuff around here, which um, I don't know. Hopefully, uh, I don't know. I don't have a timeline for it, but I feel like it's sooner than later. So little things like that are happening. That aside, I don't have a ton to report. Um, I finished the first season of Ozark. I think I brought that up in our last episode. Um, yes. Yeah, that's uh, that's certainly a show. <laughs> I I and I don't mean this that that, that that's not a bad thing, mind you. I, I just I don't know what to say about it because it's very like it's very bleak. Um, but it's well done. It's very well made, very well written, and well performed by everyone involved. So. Um, uh, I'll, 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 you know, I'll keep up with it. I think, uh, there's three seasons out right now, I think. So we'll, we'll start season two probably this weekend. Um, and you know, that's, uh, about it, I think. Yes, that is, that's, I'm looking around just trying to see, is there anything else? No, that's, that's it, man. <laughs> that's what's going on. What are you up to? Oh, let's see. Um, hmm. I finished 
the uh, Thrawn book I was reading. Ah, nice. The, the second book of the Thrawn trilogy, mm-hmm. uh, Thrawn Alliance, uh, which is pretty much the the book kind of flashes back and forward to like the present where Thrawn is having to work with Vader and the past where Thrawn met Anakin Skywalker. Um, I found myself, I, I liked the first book better. Um, it's not to say that this one was bad, mm-hmm. but I found myself paying more attention to the the present story than the past story. I was kind of just, I wasn't like, I wasn't skipping or like, you know, I was, I wasn't savoring the meal as much with the chapters that were taking place in the past. I see. Um, and it's not because of, I have a, you know, disdain towards the Clone Wars era. If anything of our past couple episodes I've said, I, I, I do not have any disdain for that era. I, I enjoy that era in certain ways when it's presented. Um, it just it, the the present one just kind of really I I enjoyed it more. And you know, Thrawn uh, matching wits with Vader and being smarter than Vader, and you know dropping subtle hints that he knows he's actually Anakin Skywalker. Um, so that was, that was good. I've started the, the final book in the trilogy, uh, Thrawn Treason, which a couple chapters in so far, pretty good. Okay. Pretty, pretty good. Right. So uh, it's, it's interesting because this one, uh, these all take place prior to new hope. Wow, and okay. so there. This one is so far is dealing with Thrawn having to uh, maintain his funding for the Tie Defender program that he developed because a certain director Orson Krennic is trying to get that funding for his project Stardust. I um, see. I and, see. And Thrawn actually figured out what the death star is at the end of the first book. Like he says to the emperor, tell me about the death star. And it was this like super top secret thing. And he doesn't agree with the concept of the death star. He thinks it's um, a massive misallocation of resources. He feels that the empire would be better served by the tie defender, which he's probably right. Cause <laughs> the tie defender is, is one hell of a ship. Um, so there was that. Um, I received in the mail my uh, Doctor Strange expansion pack for Marvel Champions card game. Yes. And I've played, I, I like this game because it has a solo mode. So it's predominantly what I've been playing uh, tabletop wise throughout quarantine. And I've played about three or four games with Doctor Strange, and he is so much fun. Hmm. And he's, he's really good, and he's a lot of fun to play. Um, so he's probably going probably gonna to be the uh, the main character I stick with 
once, you know, we're able to meet and game again if people are interested in playing it. Uh, what else? The wife and I watched Hamilton this past week. How was the illustrious Hamilton? It's good. It, yeah. it is good. Um, it, it is, it was not the life altering experience that many have built it up to be. And I figured like, I kinda, I kinda have to watch it now because it's getting to that magic line to where if it gets too overhyped, I'm just like, nah, I'm good. Do you feel like maybe it would have been a bigger deal had you actually seen it on stage? For well, you for you personally? This this is the the stage performance. Yeah, but you're not you're not there. You know what I mean? No, you're not there, but I heard I heard a very interesting um I can't remember what maybe it wasn't on Fat Man Beyond, I can't tell. Um talking about the obviously being live in person at a Broadway performance is going to be a, an experience in of itself. Yeah. You know, that uh, it's hard to compare to anything, but something I was listening to said, like with this, the director can point you to specific things to see that you may miss in a stage production. Uh huh. Because you're kind of being guided by the camera. Yeah, there, there's a there's an element of, of film to it in that way. So I, it's it's good. I I enjoyed it. I would definitely watch it again. Um, the pacing is a bit much. Hmm. I don't. It it never really. It's unlike other musicals where there's like a song, you know, some talking a song talk what it's song all the way through it's more it's more akin to an opera than it is a musical i would say okay. in that sense interesting um, but the music the style of the music the the hip hop and and rap is is fantastic and it's all well orchestrated and i mean it's definitely it's definitely worth a watch it's i will give you a heads up it's long it's just shy of three hours. Oof. Um, That's a commit. We had, yeah, we, <laughs> we had to do it over over a couple nights. Um, they, they do include a one-minute intermission in, on, on Disney+. Plus. Oh, a minute. Um, Slow down. Yeah. But, uh, but no, it was, it, was, it was enjoyable. So I would definitely uh, watch, watch it again. What else? Um, I've been kind of watching some older DC stuff on HBO Max. They've been throwing some more stuff on there. Oh, you have HBO Max, do you? Yes. Yeah, because we had HBO uh, Now, mm-hmm. which it just automatically converted over to HBO Max. Oh, okay. All right. So, my, I, I don't think we've ever discussed this. My, my thoughts on HBO Max. HBO Max is good because... You're you're essentially you're paying for HBO, and you're getting a lot of other stuff that you normally would probably watch, but would not pay for its own streaming service for. You're get, you're getting a good main dish with some with some good side dishes. 
like a lot of the a lot of the DC stuff is going on there. I would never pay for DC Universe, and like more and more they're you know transferring more stuff over to HBO Max from DC Universe. So, but having it on HBO Max is a nice touch, and like a lot of other things, like Turner Classic Movies is on HBO Max. So there's a really killer. Uh, film selection on there right now i would say for solely for streaming not for i mean obviously amazon prime but a lot of that stuff you have to rent you can't stream it all for just pure what you get for your price of admission streaming hbo max probably has the best film selection of any of the streaming services i mean they got uh, big warner brothers catalog and and whatnot yeah i mean that stands to reason that makes sense yeah i think i mean if obviously if you had hbo now previously you automatically have hbo max if you were thinking of getting hbo now i would say hbo max is worth it um if you're if you're getting it just for friends just watch friends on television it's cheaper I'm sure it's on TV right now somewhere. Um, mm. So yeah, it's a it's a it's a worthwhile investment, I would say. Um, get the Snyder cut, bro. I listen. I'm not going to lie and say I'm not going to watch it. I'm going to watch it. Um, I don't. I don't expect much from it, bro. It's going to be life changing, bro. <laughs> It's going to give us everything we want. Hey, I have. Not only do I have Christopher Reeve Superman on demand now, I have Quest for Peace. Oh, 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 boy. You've heard the Richard Donner cut. I have the Richard Pryor cut, (laughs) too. I can watch. Wow. So, yeah, that has been our week. Yeah. Um, that has been our week's dear listener. We always love to hear from you. If you'd like to tell us about your weeks, you'd like to send us any uh, questions or comments to be read on the air, or just reach out to us and support us, follow us, like us, whatnot. You can do so with the following social media locations. You can go to, you can follow us on Twitter at devil's new pod. You can go to facebook.com slash devil's do pod, like our page. You can email us at the devil's do pod at gmail.com, or you can find all these great resources available to you on our website, the devil's do podcast.com. That being said, Drew, we do have some emails. I don't know what it is. I just, I feel like I'm, I feel like I'm coming in cold off the bench. Uh, it's been a couple weeks. I, well, yeah, but even even our previous shows have been a couple weeks. I've been so fine. I don't know. I feel kind of stiff tonight. I don't uh, know what it is. Well, that's, that's why I'm drinking, buddy. <laughs> so I'll get you through. <laughs> Just lean on me. I got you. <laughs> Your alcohol carries through. Okay, so. <coughs> oh, my Excuse God. Um, Careful now. Um, okay, so yes, we have some questions. First, starting out with our good friend Adam, who sent us an email. Hello, my good sirs. Here's some questions for you. Carl and Drew, 
If you were able to erase your memory of playing a video game so you could play it all from scratch again, oh. what game would it be? Wow. And then also, what about a television series or movie? Oh, wow. So, got a couple other stuff in here, but we'll kind of we'll answer those first and then move forward. Wow, that's that's so, that's so hard. I'll, I'm gonna have to let you go first, man. I got I got to really. Uh, you know, probably, you know, not really, probably Metal Gear Solid. Hmm, interesting answer. Okay. You know, probably Metal Gear Solid. Um, Xenogears, maybe, but the time commitment on that one. Good God. <laughs> took me 50 hours to beat that the final battle alone was 45 minutes jeez yeah well square rpg yeah 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 true like classic square rpg wait xenogears was square yeah wow really yeah okay um uh... yeah yeah probably metal gear solid I'd have to say. Because a lot of the stuff that, I mean, like, yeah, I could go back and say, you know, Street Fighter 2, but Street Fighter is an experience that develops over time. It's not like an initial, like, first time I ever played, I played Dalsum. And I, I lost instantaneously, so it wasn't the overall experience with the the initial playthrough of the game that got me hooked, it was just kind of, you know, everything came afterwards. So yeah, probably for me, uh, Metal Gear Solid. Well, game that I could experience all over again if I could. Um, wow. There's so many, I mean, God, I, I, uh, I, I just, for reasons that I stated in the last, um, episode, I feel like my answer kind of has to be the first Mass Effect, really. Um, it left a real big mark on me, and, uh, I, I don't know, it, it was just, a. a an ex- that game was an experience unlike any other that I can recall having prior to it in a, in a video game. And its world is so well realized in that first game um, it, and so interesting and, and thought out and the story um, is great. And it has a massive twist like I, we talked about last week that you know totally upends what you think the game what the story is about what the scope is about um and it encapsulates you know uh lovecraftian horror along with science fiction you know and star trek and utopian science fiction and 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 it, it mashes all this stuff together in a really brilliant way and it was just a very um rich experience for me especially at the time i played it um because i i had long been off of the Final Fantasy train uh, at the time, at the time, and you know when I played the first Mass Effect for the first time, 
I couldn't help but feel at a certain point after a few hours playing like, you know, this really, despite being a sci-fi action-y RPG, the inventory and the progression and the feel of it all, the menu system and the, and the levelings and all that, this just feels like a classic Final Fantasy game. And, like, it just, it all hit me in a very, very, uh, very big way. Um, so I feel like that would be my answer. But, I mean, you know, it, like, if... <laughs> If I could erase my memory of Super Metroid and have that all over again as well, would that be as good? Hard, you know, it's hard to say, but I remember it blowing my mind the first time around, and it still is my favorite game, so, yeah. Something like that. Kind of surprised I would have put you on Breath of the Wild for this one. Um, you know... I don't know about that one, to be honest. I mean, as brilliant and as beautiful as that game is, I, and I love it dearly, um, it just didn't have... If, like, I, I love it. I mean, this is not a, sl- a slight against Breath of the Wild in any, in any sense, but, like, Mass Effect really just had a, a really huge impact on me. Um, the, the music, the, the, the tone, the setting. I'm a sci-fi guy. I, I, you know, I'm a, I'm a big science fiction guy, so when it's done... When it's done well, I should say. But I generally put it this way. I, I favor spaceships and lasers to swords and dragons uh, 10 times out of 10. So um, not to say that I don't like fantasy stuff, but I'm, I'm, more, I'm much more drawn to science fiction. So maybe that's a factor. I don't know. All righty. Um, as far as a uh, movie goes. Mm. Oof. I mean, Carl, so that, 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 that well is so deep, Carl. I mean... Yeah, that well is so deep. I've got mine. The The easy answer is Empire. Yeah, I mean, that's... I was going to say, but, that's the easy one to pull, but I feel like that's... But I'm going to go with Endgame. Ooh. Yeah, I could... I could see that. As long as it's... As long as it's in a theater with an opening night crowd. Yeah... Yeah, you're not you're not wrong there. Um I mean I've got other ones I, I could probably argue for, you know, film like films that have been really, you know, uh important to me, um, that could I see them with fresh eyes for the first time again and it's like, yeah, you know, um could I could I it's hard, though. You know why this is difficult, to be honest with you? Because it kind of... The feeling of watching any any of these movies, even, even the games that we just talked about, it's very um, it's very much it, memorable to me in that time and that place. Now, you're saying if I could, like, do it all over again, would I, you know, like, now, would I have the same reaction to these things? It's hard to say. I'm... I'm I like to think I'm somewhat of a different person as to when I first saw these things. So that's why I kind of struggle a little bit. Um, here's one that might surprise you that I kind of wish I could see with, uh, with Virgin eyes again. Um, the prestige by Chris Nolan. Okay. Um, I, I would, I love that movie. I love it a lot actually. And I'm kind of a Chris Nolan hater nowadays. So, um, that's saying a lot. I think the prestige is actually just a brilliant, brilliant movie 
And uh, that's one that I wish I could see for the first time all over again. Okay. Not, so, not, not the expected answer, I suppose, but um, no, no. But I, that's that's one that comes to mind. Like that one was really uh, a big. A, like, have you seen it? Have you, have you seen the Prestige? Yeah, I've seen the Prestige. Oh man, like it's it's just it's you know it's very it's it's immaculately constructed, and then the the big twist at the end. You know, I I mean honestly, I didn't see any of that coming. And when it finally kind of is laid out to you, it all it, it all clicks. Like the whole movie comes together. You're like, oh god, of course. Uh, like yeah. you know. Um, so yeah, that that uh, to see that again for the first time would be would be something. Comics. Oh I mean, god, I don't even know where to begin. <laughs> that well it's is a, that it's well Christopher is Nolan. So what do you expect? Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, he, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, with the exception of Dark Knight Rises. Yeah. Which is not great. No. It's not. Uh, yeah. It's not. Anyway. It's not, it's not a bad It's, it's, yeah. I'll say this. Of his Batman movies, it is, I would say, easily the worst one. Oh, God, yes. Okay. I, I, yeah. I, 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 didn't, yeah. I thought that might be a controversial statement, but I... Like no nah, man, Begins and Dark Knight are are great. Dark Knight obviously great, but I think Begins is actually a lot better than uh, it may, maybe even it gets credit for. To be honest with you, right. Um. So then Adam goes on to say, over this weird time, have you picked up any new hobbies or interests? Seeing as my summer has basically been canceled, I've started mm-hmm. playing golf again, aiming to break one hundred. So on that note, um. Oh. So they says on that note, which superhero do you think would be the best golfer? So starting <laughs> starting with the first question, have you picked up any new hobbies or interests? Um, no. I mean, I, I'm, I'm a man. <laughs> I mean, we we've got kids. Yeah, so. I hate to, I, you know, yeah. Um, I I cook more than I ever did before, but I mean, I I loved cooking before. Um, yeah. I just do it more now, and uh, I certainly love that. Um, no, I've just focused on the hobbies I have, and uh, you know, I to be honest, I, I some of the hobbies I, I had, I don't, I, I don't even have enough time for, and that that does sadden me. But I'll, I'll, I'll come around. It'll all come back around once things yeah. are okay again. Once, once the kids get older. Yes. Yes. Anyway, I I do not look forward to yet long for the days where my son thinks I'm uncool and doesn't want to hang out with me. <laughs> <laughs> it will it will be bittersweet because I'll finally have some time to myself, but I'll miss him terribly. Um, okay, so Adam, thank you very much for your email. We appreciate it. Next on to Mr. Cyrus Moore, who's sending us another email, as we always appreciate. Uh, greetings, gentlemen. Hope you are well. I'm excited for you to break down the sequel trilogy. While I did enjoy The Force Awakens when it first came out, I struggled with it on subsequent viewings. The disjointedness of Episode 8 and 9 really bring it down for me, and overall I can say I do not like the sequel trilogy at all. Mm. But I was thinking of something mm. during the prequel breakdown. Uh, what do you think episodes one, two, and three 
would have been like if Lucas had started with them first. I mean, obviously, episode three end, couldn't end up with the Empire winning and a setup for episode four decades away. It was just interesting to think about. Uh, b- I mean, there would be if we're if we're taking on the basis that Lucas is making episode one, two, three in nineteen seventy-seven. He w- they they never would have gotten past one. They, well, let's say let's say for argument's sake that they are, you know, they're they're making them. They're going to be completely different films because one thing we discussed on our prequel breakdown was that. Lucas didn't have anyone to tell him no. Yeah. And he had the he had that on the classic trilogy. Yes, he, he had people telling him no. He had people um with creative input whose decisions you can see on the screen. So I think had he started with episode one, two, and three, they would all be vastly different films than what they are now. Yeah. Um that and ultimately I just it, it it comes back to uh, I, I, it's so hard to play hypothetical, but it comes back to our character work and our writing, and I can't, it's it's impossible to say what that would have looked like in 1977. George Lucas wrote it with whoever else he had punch up the script at that time, but um, we said it before about Han Solo and stuff. Like you, there, there's. The prequels just don't have any gateway characters for the audience at all. Right. Everyone is just stiff and weird and alien, and I, I, I just can't see. I, I, I don't know. I really don't know. But like you said, it would, if hypothetically speaking, it did happen, it would be drastically different than what we got. I, I think it would be like remember. Gosh, might have been probably close to 10 years ago now. Remember when uh, Dark Horse came out with The Star Wars? Yes, 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 yes. And yeah. as, as cool as that was visually, you could tell how stiff Lucas's original yeah. vision was because it was just very weird and nothing made a lot of... I don't want, I'm not going to say it didn't make sense, but, you know, very outlandish concepts, very much in its own world and there really wasn't a lot of room for levity or you know there was no pov character you know like yeah it, it was very tough interesting but tough right so for the for those of you who don't know it was a series of com a limited series comic that came out called the star wars and it was a comic adaptation of the original script yeah for star wars before any uh refinement star wars yeah the very first version of star wars um back when it was called the adventures of luke star killer correct as told by the journal of the wills i think it's called it's very very long cumbersome title and and Um, while we're on this subject uh of all the you know where we came from and whatnot um I strongly, and, and it's dense, so I warn you now, it is dense and full of minutia, but if you are a Star Wars fan, you are all about that anyway. Um, look up The Secret History of Star Wars by, oh, the author's name, um, Google. Do that internet thing, Drew. Right now, 
Michael Kaminsky. I, I strongly recommend this book and, and you're going to see reviews that are like, you know, average to, you know, very middling. But look, if you're a Star Wars fan and you, you crave detail about how it came to be, this is an exhaustive tome of analysis of drafts, interviews with George, interviews with cast, interviews with crew from the from when this was all happening in the 70s through refine you know further statements down the road and, and the lens of truth and all that and believe me you will get a much clearer picture of how star wars actually came to be um and so based the whole fairy tale that george lucas is this genius who concocted all of this stuff and has tomes of lore and all that's all nonsense like this this stuff was not cut from whole cloth it was patched together over time with a lot of guiding voices and like we said at the time george was making all of this stuff he had he had to answer to people and uh people were telling him no and it, it, it took a village to raise a child and that child being star wars and um it's just a fa- it's a it's a deep deep look at it all. So anyway, yeah, I, I recommend that the secret history of Star Wars. Cool. Alrighty, so thank you very much, Cyrus, for your email again. Uh, that about does it for yeah. That's good for the emails. Now we we have some news to talk about. Uh, nothing like super earth shattering this week. We're actually going to do the news. Um, so what do we have here? We have uh starter. So sp- staying in the galaxy far, far away, we had a nice, a very surprising announcement this week from Lucasfilm. One that I was very excited about and eager for. Uh, one that Drew will most likely not care all about. Uh, <laughs> it was announced that we are going to get a bad batch animated series um true even even though you, you don't care for reasons of um making sure everybody's involved i'm going to explain what the bad batch are so in the the last the last season of clone wars that was on disney plus was broken down into three uh three different story arcs four episodes long each and the first one was kind of a traditional Clone Wars style adventure action story in which they introduced the Bad Batch, which is a special unit of clones that have, and I quote, favorable defects. So one of them is like huge and bulky and very strong. It's basically like a, um, a specialty unit of clones. Uh, one of them is can like, you know, analyze and break in the computer systems exceedingly well. Like the, the exact uh, one has uh, heightened senses, things like that. So, and they're this unit that kind of, they're kind of like the A team of star Wars, whereas they don't necessarily report to anyone. They just kind of do what they do. And they were, I loved watching them. They were great. They were 
really cool characters and they and i said like i would definitely be there for more of them um and we're getting more of them and apparently according to reports the the series is set post clone wars kind of finding post clone wars pretty much of anything else we're talking pretty frequently post clone wars and it's kind of the bad batch finding their way in a galaxy that no longer needs them hmm. um so yeah that's pretty much there's been nothing says like what kind of animation style this will have i think it'd be interesting if they uh explored a different visual than the traditional clone wars animation style even though that last season of clone wars oh so gorgeous real real chef's kiss to the, the animation and that um so yeah i'm definitely looking forward to this All drew right. <laughs> drew doesn't care nope not at all <laughs> okay so we have some uh, rumblings if you will normally i don't like to talk about rumors it depends on the source for me and say what you will about uh cbr typically if they're reporting a news story you know that there is some validity to it not like other sites kind of like you know we got this covered.com <laughs> don't give them the credit At- dude don't give them the pub Alan Waiters, looking at you. (laughs) Um, So, apparently, Giancarlo Esposito is in talks to join the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Yeah. And two two things. Yeah, rumor. He said he wants to do it. Yeah, obviously, because, you know, people like money. (laughs) Um, He is in the Disney family, so, I mean... He's in Disney family. He's he's uh, Moff Gideon, mm-hmm. and definitely look forward to seeing more of him in season two of Mandalorian. But the the two the two names being bantered about are Magneto mm. and Doctor Doom. Um, I I, I, I I Magneto. That's not what I heard. Yeah. What did you hear? Uh, Professor X, my friend. Well, that, the Professor X thing came from Fat Man Beyond. Well, I'm I'm signing off on that. I want that. That came about when people were talking about Denzel playing Magneto. Oh, come on. If you want to give me Giancarlo Esposito as Professor X and Denzel as Magneto, I will take that. I will... I, I take my money. <laughs> yeah. Mar- because Kevin Feige, we know you listen. Take my money. <laughs> you just made, you've instantly made the X-Men relevant again. In a, in a, in a whole new yet not new way, you know, like right. it, it takes the metaphor that they've had since forever and makes it literal. And I, uh, it would just be beautiful. And not to mention yeah. th- those two guys in those roles. Oh my God. Because be like when you think about it, 
It'd be great. Yeah, especially now when you think about Magneto. Can we really play the Holocaust survivor origin anymore? Not given with, how, well, how there is a way, um, but they'd have to tie it further into the MCU. He'd have to get a cap kind of, he'd have to get a cap style, uh, 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 you know, suspended animation kind of deal. There's, right. there's just a, you know, it, it, even Ian McKellen as, as, as great as he is in the role was a bit jarring, I think, for most comics fans who were used to seeing jacked, younger-ish Magneto. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like fans want to see someone a little more physically imposing in that role. Fastbender. Sure, yes, yeah, yes, yes. But, like, when you think about it, okay, so let's say you do... Uh, Esposito as Professor X and Denzel Washington as Magneto. Now, you know, we're not talking about one who survived the Holocaust and they met shortly after that. Now we can talk about two friends who were active in the civil rights movement yes. in the 60s. Yeah. And, and you have, you know, that old analogy that Xavier is Martin Luther King and Magneto's Malcolm X. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Literally. <laughs> it's, it's got layers, Drew. Oh, you know, it's it, there are layers. like an onion. Um, I'm I'm here for that. Um, now, if you yeah. want to make Giancarlo Esposito Magneto, I I guess, but I feel like you, your own people would only are only saying that, or that would only be the 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 rumor because he has. He's been kind of typecast as villains, and I feel like that's yeah. kind of lazy in a way. Yeah, I, w- I would like to. I think he fits Xavier perfectly. Doom makes a sense. I'm not going to lie, but yeah. I but but Giancarlo Esposito's charm, speaking strictly as a Breaking Bad, Better Call Saul uh, fanboy that I am, and him his role in those shows. Right. The charm of him in those shows is not his. Do, see, like Doctor Doom is very um, maniacal and over the top, right? He's his. He's right. so ego driven and like you know, just just he's Shakespearean. Yeah, he's grandiose and yada yada. Giancarlo Esposito is not that. His his charm is his subdued uh, performance. He can, he speaks volumes without saying a word. He is a cool as a cucumber, uh, yet terrifying as a result kind of guy that like, that's, that's the role that he excels at. And I, 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 Dr. Doom just is not that I need someone who can ham it up as needed with, for Dr. Doom. You know what I mean? You know, it would, it would never happen. It would never in a million years happen. Like, I know we don't say, especially now in the time we're living in, it would never happen. I would be willing to bet one of your lungs that this would never happen. <laughs> okay. Um, I mean, I'm not going to bet my lungs, because no. what if it did happen? Um, the perfect Dr. Doom 
would be Daniel Day-Lewis. Um, Because his whole process and how method he gets. Imagine putting him in that role. That's just about... I wouldn't question his commitment to it, I'll tell you that. Consuming scenery. He he would not. I, I if nothing else, I can guarantee he would not phone it in. <laughs> no, you wouldn't, because that man commits to whatever he does. So I'll I'll give yeah. you that. Yeah. Um, but in any case, uh, yeah. Uh, look, bring Giancarlo Esposito into the M- MCU. Yes, please, absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, obviously, I these trust, are best case scenarios we're talking about. But. Yeah, I I trust Kevin Feige to. Uh, to steer him into the right the role in in the MCU. Exactly, as do I. So, moving away from the comics into our last two stories, which are somewhat related, uh, Nintendo has announced that they will no longer be communicating with their fans and making new announcements via the nintendo directs not, uh, yeah I'm not, I'm not happy i'm not i'm not with this carl I don't like which this. for those of you who may not know a nintendo direct is usually a half an hour to 45 minute video that's unveiling new games in-depth previews of upcoming games things like that um and they have decided and they, they're great they're fantastic they cut through the fluff. They give you what you're looking for, and they move on. Um, so they've decided they're not doing those anymore. I don't like it. Um, I I don't see why they're doing that. Uh, maybe just because they're. I don't know. I honestly don't know. I they they were very successful. People always look forward to them. It was a great way to generate hype for the coming year or or quarter or what have you, um, and it was a it was a very direct way to haha direct see uh, way of relaying information um, to, to to the fans and and you know giving them something to chew on. Um, I, I'm sure that they'll still do something to generate hype, be it you know just trailers i guess i i don't know it i I don't know i don't know why they're choosing to do this this way i mean but it could be budgetary it cannot possibly cost that much money to cobble together gameplay footage and have you know a a, a narrator talk and and have have an intern cobble it together in video like that this is not yeah i don't i don't know what i don't know i don't know but that's nintendo for you i I am often baffled by their decisions. So, and then at the same time, though, and this is something I kind of want to talk about because we were touching on this uh, a little while ago in our our uh, group chat. That Drew, I love my Switch. I yeah. really do. I have no regrets at all purchasing it. I've definitely got my miser worth out of it. That being said. It's been a little more than a hot minute since there was a game coming out for it that I have been really amped for. Well, it seems like 
That's because there you is, don't play Animal Crossing, Carl. <laughs> well, no, I no, I get that. Even though I don't play Animal Crossing, I get that it's a big thing. And so, but it just seems like there is a lack of. I don't want to say AAA titles because no console has a glut of AAA titles. Um, there, there is a lack of. I, I really can't find a good way to put this because I was about there's to a say lack of hype on it. There's a lack of hype right now. Uh, the, not so much just lack of hype. There's just a lack of con of higher level content. It's probably um, the best because there's what's higher there's, level on the other other on the other consoles. I'm not. I'm not playing anything. Oh, yeah, but there are things you could be playing. You just. You know, you've got Animal Crossing right now. Um, I, what what what, what like else? What could I be playing? Well, no, there's there's hundreds upon hundreds of games. There's games on the on Switch. The, they just don't interest me as much. No, I'm saying there's there's a tons there are tons of games on the Switch. There's new games added all the time, but they're all like you know. And I'm not knocking indie. I love how much Nintendo supports indie, but for for every good indie game we get there's like 20 you know two dollar tech demo games they throw on there and i'm just i'm and i'm trying to think of like what well, they're you gotta next. know how to filter through that that's all you're an, edu- yeah, you're, like, you're an educated consumer you know what's what's worth it and what's not give me something to look forward to though well i i, I look as a nintendo fan since forever let me let me tell you uh i have seen the nintendo drought my entire life um that's just part of being a nintendo fan and a nintendo console owner it it, you know it can be feast or famine at times you know the n64 had literally arguably a calendar year sometimes between titles um and that sucked and we we're not going back to that necessarily but um i i think there's plenty out there um there's a ton of games, uh, indie games that I've been meaning to pick up myself. Nintendo itself, um, you know, they're working on stuff. Uh, if only they had a way to tell us what they were working on, but they decided to cancel that. Um, and E3 was canceled, so you have to wonder what they were planning on showing. We, we'll never know because they canceled the the direct. They, they canceled the whole thing, so they we will never know what they were going to show. Which is weird because even though E3 was canceled, they still could have showed something like hey we were yeah. planning on announcing this at e3 but we e3 didn't happen so here here's here here here's the hype reel on on the internet nope um okay weird but whatever um here's what we know uh nintendo you know as a as the primary killer app developer for their consoles you know they they give you one to two big guns a year and they supplement that with smaller stuff as well so this year we got Animal Crossing, and who is to say what is going to come by the holidays? You know, it's July right now. They, they could drop a trailer tomorrow for whatever this Super Mario Anniversary Collection allegedly is going to be, and it'll be you know, available at Christmas, and then boom, there's your, your big gun, you know, um, or whatever. Breath of the Wild 2 could be further along the weave and realize that could be a big holiday announcement for all we know. Um, we we just don't know and that unfortunately they've decided to cancel their means of announcing things to us so 
We we don't really know. I I feel you. I do. I know what you're saying. But as again, like I said, as someone who has has felt the Nintendo drought before, this is nothing, and it'll be over before you know it. We'll have new games shortly, and ultimately, you know, I own a I own a PS4, and I, I'm not in a hurry to play anything for it right now. To be honest with you, um, and if I own an Xbox One, even less. Uh, I guess you know the the biggest gun they have right now is like what Cyberpunk coming out, and even that to me is kind of like yeah, it could be cool. It could just as easily stink. Um, AAA titles to me are are just overrated, and I'm actually at a point now in my life where I'm like questioning the the I'm questioning the viability of a AAA title, and and not from like a are they viable to make? And well, I guess I, from a financial standpoint, I wonder how they're still being made because the budgets for games now are so insane. I can't even fathom how they get made. And then from a human standpoint, are they worth it? And I would argue from that standpoint, no, they're not worth it because God, these companies to make these AAA games grind their workforce to death just so we can play some chumpy game Half the time that will be forgotten within a year. And I don't want to get off on a tangent, but like, man, yeah, triple A games are, are kind of overrated. Um, we live it. We live in crazy times. We live in amazing times. We see, we've seen amazing things, but I, I definitely wonder if it's all worth it sometimes, but that's a whole other ball of wax. Nintendo definitely needs to uh, up their game. So yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think in the most part, I think as far as the gaming experience goes, obviously raising valid points about management of the workforce, I think a lot of times AAA titles are worth it. You know, Spider-Man was... I'm not saying they're all bad. That game is fantastic. But But how many AAA titles get released that get released, come out to middling reviews and are just kind of like, meh, moving on. Not everything is Spider-Man, you know? Not everything is Red Dead Redemption, the first one. Um, I don't know. Not not everything can be those those big those big guns. Sometimes they come out and they stink or, or they don't meet expectations and then they're just kind of like you think about all the man hours that went into it and all the all the people that worked 80-hour weeks for however long uh, and all the, uh, the 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 money that went into it, and you think, God, for for what, for what, for this, some video game that that ultimately wasn't that good. It's just kind of sad. Anyway, again, this is a bigger topic than than we have time for. Yeah. Um, I feel you. The, the Nintendo drought is real. Just it, it'll it'll get better. There, we're going to get some goodies before the the Switch's life is over. Okay. All right. Um, so staying in the Nintendo world, uh, we got a new Nintendo product announcement of sorts mm. this week. Uh, we can, there is a Lego Nintendo set coming out. And when I say Lego Nintendo set, I mean it is a you build a classic Nintendo entertainment system console <laughs> with Legos. Yeah. Yeah. Which, which is cool, 
But then, you know, Lego being very innovative in their designs and whatnot, take it a step further. You also build an old style CRT television with the Super Mario Brothers game in it that you build, obviously, because it's Lego. And then you kind of turn a crank and the game kind of plays out on the screen. (laughs) I saw that. It's like, a, it's like a it's like a treadmill of bricks. Yeah, <laughs> that's amazing. It's and this thing looks really cool. And you know what? You're, if it wasn't going to be two hundred and fifty dollars, I'd yeah. probably pick it up. That, well, I, I I could say that about just about every Lego set. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they're expensive, sir. Yes, yes, they are. Oh man. Anyway, and, and Rao help you if you don't get it at the time it's initially released, because if you try and go back and get it after that, oh, those aftermarket prices. Uh, I, yeah. I, 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 lo- I love to see um, Nintendo's brand kind of... It's weird, because you know, Nintendo's a big, a big deal, but you know when brands kind right. of uh, converge like this, it is interesting and fun. So seeing uh, a, a Nintendo Lego set is a, is a pretty wild thing. Right. It's and just, the... It's a, it is expensive though. I think someone did the math, and like if you wanted to buy all of the upcoming Mario Lego sets, it would cost you something like five hundred and sixty dollars. Yeah, that's yeah. that's a that's a that's that's a big super mushroom. <laughs> well, because exactly for stuff like this, it seems that Nintendo does not dole out their licenses lightly. No, they're so, pretty protective of the of the brand these days. When you when you get something like this, you kind of really have to make your money on it um so yeah and and then our cool thing is like the mario that comes with some of those other lego nintendo sets if you put him on top of the television or the nintendo entertainment system set it plays the sound effects the classic sound effects from super mario brothers and it syncs up with the game that's on the screen so, like, if the Mario jumps, you get the jump sound effect. If he jumps on a Goomba or something, you get that sound effect. Um, so, yeah, just really cool, innovative stuff. Yeah, super fun. Um, Lego sets are cool. Mario's cool. Put them together. It's, 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 they're gonna, I, I would think that those would sell very well. Oh, yeah. On a, on a sad note, on the Nintendo brand, um, the Super Nintendo World in Japan is basically done and was going to be set to open this summer, Carl. But now, no, <laughs> not anymore. Been delayed indefinitely, probably till 2021 at the earliest. Well, you know, the COVID. Yeah, we, we can't have the nice things. Yeah, but hey, at least they're staying home and wearing masks and yeah <sighs> yeah you know how how many days has it been since america's been a global embarrassment i uh um, it's it is pretty much long time now good long time now and i don't see it changing so yay us Yay, fun times okay so that yeah. does it for the news unless you have anything else no, no, no. I trust you to gather all that. All right, cool. So now uh, we move on, as I mentioned earlier, from 
the prequel era to the sequel trilogy era. Mm-hmm. And now with these, we're going to tackle them a little bit different. Whereas, you know, our classic trilogy was kind of looking at the philosophy of why these stories have endured and really uh, stayed with us for as long as they have. Uh, the sequel, the prequel trilogy was kind of looking back and saying, okay, where, where did this kind of go wrong? Where could we have turned left instead of right here? Things like this. Um, I think for this one, it's going to be more of a sense of, okay, we're, we're five, five, six years removed from where this all began. Where do we kind of stand on these now? Mm-hmm. Just kind of exploring them in that sense. So to begin with that, we kind of have to go back to when this all started, which was Disney buys Star Wars for a, a steal. And, you know, when are you ever going to hear someone describe paying $4.2 billion for something as getting a steal? Um, but that's. That's what they purchased, uh, Star Wars, Lucasfilm, and everything therein goes for. They make the purchase, and one of the first announcements they make after the purchase is, uh, we are making episodes 7, 8, and 9. So, Star Wars, I think at this point in time, is... There, there. Most of what is happening with Star Wars is in the animated sense. Uh, the Clone Wars is going on television, and these are like the later seasons of Clone Wars, and people are enjoying that. Um, the expanded universe is in full, full swing, and there's so much stuff going on in that. Um, but other than that. It had been a good long while since episode three and the, the brand and the franchise kind of at that point was, I I don't want to say, um, inactive, but it was definitely in a lull. It was just kind of more or less resting as well. It kind of more was more or less in a state of dormancy. For most part, obviously there were still the fans, and there were still there was still stuff coming out, but nothing theatrical for a while, and nothing was planned uh, theatrical. And then this announcement comes, and so you have two. Now you have two generations of fans. You have your classic trilogy fans, and then you're starting to age up into your prequel trilogy fans. And there are kind of two reactions to this. So, Drew, I want to start off asking you, like, you know, looking back, what was your initial reaction to, A, the news that Disney had purchased Star Wars, and B, the news that they were making new films? I was pretty shocked, actually, because, mainly because I didn't think George would ever part with it. Um, He... After the prequels and everything, there was there was definitely a little bit of an there was some the relationship between George and the fans I felt was a little rocky, and I feel like 
he was a bit upset that the prequels weren't as well received as he would have liked. And he resented that a bit. And it kind of felt like he was going to dig in his heels and just mm, take his ball and go home in a certain way and, and just sit on star Wars and, and that would be it to a degree. So when he sold the, th- the thing, it was kind of like, Whoa, like a total, a total shock to the system for me. Um, that, that he was letting go of it and wholesale and selling it to Disney. Once that kind of shock wore off, I thought this is the best possible thing that could happen to Star Wars. And I say that as someone, obviously, who was not a fan of the prequels in any sense of the, of the word. Um, and Disney had been doing right by Marvel. And that certainly boded well for what could be with Star Wars. Um, so it was kind of like, finally, let's see what someone else can do with this. Um, let's, let's write the ship, so to speak. And that's, that's how I felt about the whole thing. Like, ah, they're gonna, they're gonna try and make things right. And that, that line comes up later. Um, and then when they said they're going to make seven, eight, nine, it was like, oh my God, like, of course you are. And, oh, we're getting everybody back. We're getting, you know, Mark Hamill, Carrie Fisher, Harrison Ford back. Like, it was like, oh, my God, you guys are you're doing it all. You're doing it all. And uh, excitement. And I, and I don't think I'm alone, and I don't think I'm naive to think that either. Uh, I was excited. You were excited. We were all very excited by everything that came of that announcement, I, I, I think. I don't think anybody was... Uh, upset about it to be honest with you I think George had his run he gave us he gave us Star Wars we are grateful but I think the brand was definitely in a in a lull at the time and it needed a spark and we weren't going to get it from from George so when it when he sold it again to Disney who 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 was like I said doing just fine with Marvel it made a lot of sense and it felt like this is going to be a good thing. Yeah. Um, so they announce the three new films. Um, like you said, they announced that, Hey, we're getting the band back together. You know, Ford Fisher and Hamill. And then I think it was, about three years before episode seven comes out. Um, I have to look up the timeline, but it, it, it feels about right. It was about, probably it was no more than three years. I think it might have been more along the lines of two years between the purchase and um, episode seven. What year did episode so, seven come out, Carl? Two thousand fifteen. Okay, yeah, you're right. Three years. They bought they bought Star Wars in twenty twelve. Okay. Uh, so we we talked about this a little bit with Phantom Menace. We'll talk about that that first teaser mm-hmm. that we all eagerly, uh, you know, jumped online for when it came out. 
what what were your reactions to that first teaser? <laughs> um, if it's the one I'm remembering, and I'm pretty sure it is, pretty much pure unadulterated joy <laughs> in a way that I hadn't felt in a long time. Yeah, I'm I'm pretty much in the same boat. Like it was, you know, it started out with with Finn popping up doing that pop yep. up yep. in the the desert. You know, you hear Snoke saying there's been an awakening, and then it just explodes into the Millennium Falcon, and instantly. And this is what what Star Wars to this day still does and one of the reasons i still love it instantly i am a kid again <laughs> because of things like you you know it's coming they've told you it's coming but it's still something you never expected to see again and like I think so many of us have kind of made our peace with that at that point. Like we're we're probably never going to get seven, eight, nine, and even up until the moment of the teaser, we're still like I you know believe it when we see it and whatnot. And then the Falcon shows up on the screen, and you just you're a kid again. Yeah, yeah, and it, and it was fantastic. So. Directed by J.J. Abrams. Um, now, that, by- let's be honest. I'm going to tell you that. That, mm, that gave me some pause, but not a ton. Uh, he, he, he already did Star Trek. Now, yeah, done the thing with Star, Star Trek, Trek is, yes, one of them being good... And honestly, one of the the, the good one being the, the first one, um, right. the second one I don't want to talk about at all. Uh, the 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 but the first one, it, it had a it, it almost had a Star Wars feel to it, more so than uh, any Star Trek movie prior had ever had. So See, it, it, was almost, it was almost it was almost like his demo reel for for Star Wars in a way. See, I felt that about the second one. I felt that about Star Trek Into Darkness. I remember leaving. I remember leaving the theater with Julia. I'm like, that really felt much more like a Star Wars film than a Star Trek film. I thought that about both of them, but the but the first one, it struck me right away because because Star, it it was not Trek. I mean, it, it is in name, but it's not really Star Trek. Um, yeah. but we're not talking about Star Trek though, but, to, but again, the, the filmmaking style and the, the arc of the characters, the hero's journey kind of stuff. It was like, yeah, this is, this is Star Warsy. Um, so lo and behold, he gets the gig and I, th- I thought, yeah, you know what? He might be a better fit over here for Star Wars than he was for Trek, but that, you know, you do have to temper that a little bit, a little bit. If you're a fan of Lost or of any of JJ's stuff, with the the mystery box phenomenon and the um, lot of sizzle, not a lot of steak kind of argument that JJ has to, unfortunately, JJ's got to own. Um, so you know, but 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 they said all the right things 
at the time they were making the movie and they showed that big ca- remember the big cast photo of everyone sitting in the big circle with JJ remember that yeah, the, 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 yeah. um it all and they were saying how they were going to they're shooting on location they're going to use as many practical effects as possible yada like, like man you're 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 doing it all right you're doing yeah. it all, you're you're doing it all right and it felt like okay any reservations you might have had about JJ you also had again the feelings of like you know what he might he might be the man for this and arguably he he was the best man for that movie for for the force awakens that is um right. excitement there was definite excitement so they and we've taught you and I've talked about this a lot of times and something that I know we've talked about on the show a lot with the force awakens is that you know one of its biggest critiques is also one of the you can make the argument is one of the smartest things they had to do from a brand sense a business sense was they had jj abrams and kathleen kennedy knew that they had to remind people why they love star wars and so to do that they essentially made a beat for beat remake of the original star wars um i wouldn't say it's beat for beat but it but it it does have a lot of the same beats right um and look is that a bad i i i know a lot of people like to harp on it for that i yeah. i i won't necessarily harp on it for that um especially if people that want to harp on it for that are prequel fans <laughs> um right. because i just i'll never get that clip of george out of my head it's like poetry it rhymes <laughs> so you know if that's how it's got to be then fine you know what i mean we're 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 hearkening back destiny yada yada okay fine star wars and look would i have preferred maybe a original narrative so to speak yeah maybe but look the force awakens and i have notes there will be notes i will post the notes i promise um, upon you know watching it, upon subsequent viewings, it is not a perfect film, and I, I'm going to I will call it out when I see it of things that are not good about it. However, yeah. how Spo- spoilers? No Star Wars film is a perfect film. Well, except Empire. But moving on, every every Star <laughs> Wars film has its flaws. Except Empire. But moving on, uh, like whatever flaws it has it more than makes up for in style in pace in likable characters and likable performances it it just moves man and and in in, in performances which is something oh, dude, not half my power. half my notes are about about just how great everyone is and more i'll talk about I'll talk about why I liked the movie after this, but basically JJ was the perfect guy for, for this job for, to, to bring it all back to, to life. Because again, he is Mr. Mystery box, Mr. Setup man. Now we're, you know, 
I'm going to temper all this by saying, as great as that is, and in this movie, a lot of setup, a lot of mystery boxes, a lot of, lot of uh, that's a story for another time, as we opened the show with today. Um, right. And it, it definitely got the mind, you know, going to, to wonder and to, and to think again about all this stuff. Now, the only thing is, as we now know, um, unfortunately, there was no plan to answer any of that stuff. And that's, that's, that really stinks. Um, and we're all bummed about it. But in hindsight, I can say this now with hindsight, the fact that J.J. Abrams was involved should have been a red flag. <laughs> That thought that none of this would ever get resolved, and I'm sure that there's a lot of people out there that probably said like I told you so, and you know what? Yeah, you probably did, person, and you know what? You were right, and all I can say is we were excited, and we wanted Star Wars to be beloved again so badly, and they said all the right things, and this movie does all the right things, and we we wanted to believe. So, you know, is it a bummer that a lot of this stuff doesn't get resolved? And if it does, it's not very satisfying. Yes, that is a bummer. But we're talking about The Force Awakens right now. And, you know, having just watched it again for this show, is it perfect? No, it is not perfect. But it's, man, it's an entertaining and kinetic movie. It moves it's likable. It's full of likable people. Everyone is charismatic and enjoyable, and it 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 just works unto itself. It it's great. It's it's a lot of fun. Yes, yes, it um, is. This is this is. It'll probably be refer, like I'll probably always refer to it as the fun one of this trilogy. It's it's a lot of fun. It's it's an easy watch. Like if you're flipping through the channels and the force awakens is on, like I'm sticking around for, for some of that. If I'm just looking for something to watch, um, it's, you know, we, we get, we get new characters. We get great new characters. Uh, we get, we get reunited with old friends. We, we part with one of those dear old friends, which I think we all kind of knew, but really didn't want to confront that that was going to happen as soon as we knew, saw Harrison Ford had signed on. Yeah, we know it's part of the because, deal. Yeah, because, because he was... He, does, he doesn't hate the character in the franchise the way someone like Alec Guinness did. <laughs> Um, but he was never really eager to discuss it or return to it. So once the, the Disney dump trucks full of money got dumped to his doorstep and he signed on, you're like, Oh man, it's great. We're getting Han Solo back, but we know we're going to have to let him go. We know we're going to have to let him go. And, and the second, I mean, Oh, I got. I got to talk about that scene. I'm sorry. That's the 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 second he steps onto that catwalk. That's in my notes. <laughs> I know I wrote this exact. Gonna, I wrote the exact yeah. thing. 
I know what's going to happen. Yeah. And I'm just like, but that's what a father does. And he knew what was going to happen. Yeah, that's probably. That's what a father does. And, and if anything, Star Wars is a story in so many ways about fathers and sons. Um, but a lot of those preconceptions of Star Wars are kind of turned turned on their on their sides in this with the introduction of Ray, who throughout all three films has just been an incredible character, an amazing breath of fresh air to this franchise. And I mean, Daisy Ridley, you just can't say enough about her. Um about how well she's portrayed and embodied this character and and just her and Finn and Poe. Poe was like instantly is he one wasn't of my even supposed to be a, favorite characters. Poe wasn't even supposed to survive. But but he yeah, would like they like they like they liked him so much that they're like, we can't kill this guy. He's too good. Yeah. Like Um I I I so let's get into a little nitty gritty. Um the, with the movie and the characters, I can't say enough about the casting, and I can't say enough about how well and how charismatic everyone is in this movie. They're, it's fantastic, but the thing that, and from a bigger, you know, filmmaking perspective, that is so refreshing. Um, and we have to. I'm going to talk about it. Let me pull up my notes really quickly. Um, it's amazing how we see characters like doing stuff and showing their traits and their characteristics instead of being told about their characteristics. You know what I mean? The prequels don't really have a lot of people doing stuff to, to relay information about themselves. It's mostly spoken, usually walking down a hallway or sitting on a couch. <laughs> but here we, we see things. We see them doing things. And we immediately understand that character. We like, 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 uh, I don't know, Ray, uh, befriending BB eight or, or, you know, the way, the way she's, she's, uh, a smuggler and, and not a smuggler, but she's, she's a, a scavenger, yada, yada. Um, just lots of character beats that we see. We see it, and it's like, oh, they're doing this, so that means this. They're not walking down a hallway talking. They're not babbling about whatever, right? Show, don't tell. This movie shows, and it does it in a great way. Ray's whole introduction to her character is like a whole info dump of of of, inf- of stuff. And it's like, you know, you see her as a scavenger, you see her go back to her her home where she writes on the wall so we know she's marking days for a reason. We see little toys of like that she has obviously made or found or whatever of pilots from from the the wars and all that stuff like you know X-wing pilots. She wears the X-wing pilot helmet and all that. So like you know she, we we learn so much about her character just just from this little short introductory scene. George Lucas would never think to do a scene like that in the year of our Lord, 2015, whatever year it was like he wouldn't, I'm sorry, but 
he would just tell us, you know? So anyway, not to mention as from a filmmaking standpoint, we've got dynamic lighting. We've got amazing sound design. We've got motivated performances. Like, like it, it's like this looks and feels like a real movie and it, it like a, like a cinematic experience. It, it just feels there for lack of a better word. It feels competent. <laughs> um, it speaks the language of cinema and it's not just guys standing on a green screen in front of a, you know, stuff to be filled in later. Um, I know that sounds like a, like a cliche criticism, but I mean, it shows, look, look at it, look at this movie, watch it, watch the performances, watch what they're, what, what, the, what is being shown to you on the screen and what is being shown to you on the screen. What does it relay about the characters that you're seeing? A lot. There is a lot of information being delivered to you visually, and it ah, it's it's great. It's so refreshing. It just it's it's so refreshing and and endearing at having endured three George Lucas directed films that were not that way. Yeah, and it just like say what say what you will about. Force Awakens, Last Jedi, Last Skywalker. From a visual standpoint, they all not only do they all look and feel very Star Wars, oh, but and they, how they all look and feel very tangible and tactile. Yeah, and yeah, you know, just something that the the prequel was very sorely lacking to its to its betterment to its detriment because. You know, the prequel trilogy did what the original trilogy did, which is just pull filmmaking forward, you know, 10, 20 years ahead of where it was at at the time. And, you know, was, you know, obviously you can make the argument of how it was implemented in the prequel trilogies. Uh, just the fact that he accomplished that level of visual effects on that scale is commendable in and of itself. But here we find where that has found a balance. Ah, uh, did there. And I think like, well, I think really to look at the, the balance was first found, was found much, much earlier in the Lord of the Rings trilogy. Because you have these three films that, if you look into how they were made, have that balance of CG and physical actual stuff being made. Mm -hmm. Uh, Like some of the, the models and I I use the term models very loosely for Lord of the Rings were assembled in parking lots because they were so huge that they had to film them something that you could have argued would easily be done in a computer. Otherwise they decided to do it in model scale and film it. And they achieved that balance that the prequel episode, star Wars episodes one, two, and three just didn't have. And that you see carried on to this trilogy here. Like for, for every one of the films they did, like you were talking about them saying the right things. They always did the, the O maze promotion. 
where you can like make a donation to your charity when a contest one night and when they would show those videos i remember significantly the the one from force awakens and jj abrams is standing in front of an x-wing yeah and it's physically there and there's people in costumes and puppets walking around in the background um just going back to tangible and tactile and stuff actually being there and not necessarily just doing cgi because you can do cgi doing as much stuff practical and real as possible just makes these films look fantastic uh what else else the the return of the the classic characters um ah now obviously we all are happy to see our our friends again right right and we knew that they were not going to be the main characters no and that's and that's fine just wasn't like at a certain point we all knew if we get a seven eight nine Han, Luke, and Leia are essentially going to facilitate the introduction of new characters. Yes, and that's fine. But I will say, J.J. Uh, dropped the ball here a bit. And How so? Yeah, I mean, you'll you'll see it in my notes as I get in, once the cap. Like I go, I go from <laughs> my notes are funny. They're great. I I, I go from uh, I go from kind of just you know little chirps to like once I enter caps lock mode, you'll you'll know what I'm talking about. <laughs> you'll see. Um, I I there's there's a if there's going to be a theme, um, about this movie it's not necessarily about this movie it's maybe about the the sequel trilogy if there's going to be a through line that you're going to that I'm going to pull on it's going to be one of missed opportunities especially given how well um this movie sets up a lot of stuff um our original cast never shares the screen altogether no and that's that that really Come on, come come on, and and like you could argue, I could hear someone maybe arguing. Well, we didn't know that Carrie Fisher would pass away before, and okay, fine. But you know what? We knew that Han wasn't going to make it out of this one alive. So maybe, just maybe, we should have filmed something with Luke and Han together with Leia, or you know, something. Like a flashback scene? Even even a flashback. You know, something. But no, they we, we never see them all together. And that that's a huge missed opportunity, man. Like and, and we now we never will, you know. And yeah. that hurts. Um, that does hurt. I, it's I'm of two minds on this. Um the the fan in me the person who passionately loves star Wars and to whom these characters are akin to family to yes, obviously wants to see these characters reunited together again on the screen. Um, 
you know, enjoying what they fought so hard. Oh, I'm glad you said this. Um, as far as a person being told a story, and if that doesn't service the story, then it doesn't the 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 phrase fan service is going to come up a lot mm-hmm. when we talk about rise of skywalker um and i i am not i am not opposed to fan service but i think with the story they were trying to tell here putting them together on screen wouldn't have worked in a flashback scene. Yes. I'm all for it in a flashback scene, but to, to get them, um, all together in the story they're trying to tell just wasn't feasible. Well, dare, dare I say, uh, you find a way <laughs> you're, you're right. You're, you're writers. Make make it work. F- f- do something. Yeah. Find find a way. I mean, and we see, especially since I'm sorry to interrupt you, but as, especially since these things were clearly not planned out in advance. So, if you're flying by the seat of your pants, just find a way to put them in a room together or some. You know, right. you know you're going to kill Han. That's a known, right? You don't get Harrison for without that being part of the deal. Okay, fine. Well, then you better figure out how to get a scene in your script where these, you get your, you get your mains together. Again, even if it's just for a flashback scene, you, you, you gotta get something here. Give the people what they want. Yeah, no, there's, again, there's, there's a part of me that agrees with that. Um, I probably just, knowing the story that they were telling and you know there's obviously we'll talk about it when we get to last jedi yeah one of the the themes of last Jedi is that there is a cost to war there is a cost to decisions that are made and part of that cost is that these characters are separated yeah and we don't get to see them in a way we want because you know, their lives carried on after we left them at the end of Jedi. And a lot of stuff happened and not all of it was good. Yeah. Now, can we maybe, can we touch on that a little bit? Sure. I guess if we could maybe do it all over again, which we can't, but if we could, I, I think I would have liked the sequel trilogy to have taken place well after the events of our original trilogy heroes and they, they are long gone. Um, and I say that because it is, it, it does pain me that it turns out the victory in Jedi was really a hollow one. And we don't well, we we didn't get the happy ending that we thought we did and that really 
stinks. <laughs> well, uh, that, I mean, that, that hurts. I, I, I and that, 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 uh, I don't know. In, in hindsight, I don't like that. Here's one of the shortcomings of this trilogy is that it does. Um, again, I, I totally agree with you about needing a roadmap, which as you'll remember up through the release of rise of Skywalker, I was always saying, of course they have a roadmap. They know what they're going to do. Even after like JJ was cast for JJ was hired for rise of Skywalker. I'm like, you know, they have a roadmap, they have a plan, they know what they're doing. Walking out of Rise of Skywalker after seeing it, I was like, oh, good God, they had no roadmap, they had no plan at all. Well, um, insert J.J. Abrams LOL here, but yeah. 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 So, um, yeah, having, definitely having a roadmap. Um, I think if you set a sequel trilogy too far after the episode four, five, and six, um, then it's essentially you're essentially doing what they did in episode in between episode one and two. You're so far removed from the classic trilogy that it does not feel like there's any connective tissue. Um, I, 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 hear I, you. I feel I you. think that I think that one of the the failings of the sequel trilogy is that we don't get a lot of backstory and what happened. Yeah. That in between time. Now we've gotten that backstory in a lot of ancillary media. And I, and again, we're, we're in two different schools when it comes to this, you just want to see it on the screen. If you don't see it on the screen, as far as you're concerned, it didn't happen. I enjoy the ancillary media I've taken it. So I know a lot of the backstory of what happened in that third year span, but it would have been nice to see more of that on the screen. Like, especially like when you think of Jakku, you know, you've got a star destroyer crashing. Does you've got like all these relics, on the desert of this previous era. And we have no, we have no idea like why these things are there. Like what happened there? Like it's clear some sort of battle happened here, but we don't know what that battle is or what it's significant was when in fact is probably it, it is the climactic battle of the galactic civil war. It took place one year after the battle of Endor. And see, that's a pretty that big is, deal. We should maybe yeah, have known that, that in the movie. Yeah. Like that would be something that should have been flushed out more. So, and I think that's definitely where one of the areas where the, the sequel trilogy comes up short. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. Here's the thing. I'll forgive, speaking strictly to The Force Awakens, I'll forgive all of its, you know, lack of explanations because it's a setup for the new thing. What? So if I'm going to criticize it for anything, it's that it kicks the can down the road. And unfortunately, I, and that's not necessarily its fault. 
like it did what it was designed to do and kind of get things rolling again and and plant plenty of seeds to capital to capitalize on unfortunately that doesn't happen like because there was no roadmap and because yeah. and and here's the thing when they first announced all these 789 they said they were going to hand each one to a different director and have different visions for each one now that that kind of gave me pause a little bit at the time because I was like, well, wait a minute. Does that mean each movie is going to be like drastically different than the one before it? But you're trying to tell a story, a complete story. I right. hope that I hope that that story is, you know, figured out and tight to get that kind of, you know, to better. To, if you're going to get three different directors of note and you're praising their vision, um, you know, when you hire them the directors with vision generally want to see their vision reflected. You can't just hire them to be, you know, yes men necessarily. Right. So unless you're Marvel. Yeah. But even in Marvel's case, they don't necessarily hire mm, your, your auteur types. I feel like they're, they're, they're a little more workmanlike directors who make their name by making great Marvel films. But because they can play in the sandbox, it's it. I'd have to, I have to I'd have to go into some detail there, but you you kind of get what I'm saying. Like the Russo brothers made their bones in the Marvel sandbox as directors. You know what I mean? I mean, yes, they were TV guys, but they were untested on the screen, so they made their bones in Marvel's playground. Whereas, like you know, when they hired JJ, when Star Wars hires JJ, and then they hire Ryan Johnson, and they hire. Colin Trevorrow, who then backed out, you know, et cetera. They, right. they were hiring known quantity directors with vision at the time, right? So it was a little perplexing that they had a story they wanted. To, well, so they said they had a story they wanted to tell, but they were going to have three different guys tell that story. That was a little weird, but again, we didn't know that at the time. We thought there was a plan, and clearly there, you know, was not. But again, that's not necessarily the Force Awakens as, as its own thing. I can't knock it for that because, again, it does what it needs to do. And it sets up enough threads to pull um, to go forward. But unfortunately, a lot of that stuff doesn't get resolved satisfactorily, um, if at all. Right. Um Another thing I want to mention, because we talked, we touched on the concept of fan service. Mm -hmm. uh, when you look at the way the sequel trilogy handled it, you know, with the exception of Rise of Skywalker, which I get to when, when we get there, um, as opposed to how the prequel trilogy handled it, handled it, like the prequel trilogy will blatantly point at and say something. And look at the screen. And go, ah, eh? ah. Eh? Do you think it's from it's from the movies you like? There's, See it? There's, eh? yeah, yeah. See no, it? no, you're, you're you're right. It, I and I I pointed it, that out how it, many times about about those movies? How George it, would pull lines of dialogue out of you know wildly out of context just to just to repeat it. You know what I mean? Look, um, it's Bart, and he's doing stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All the characters should the, be asking, "Where's Poochie?" <laughs> yeah, the sequel trilogy um, does that, but does it in super subtle, really cool ways. I think one well, of the prime examples of that in this film 
is the X-Wing. Yeah. When you look at the design of the X-Wing in Force Awakens, it went... It it looks like it's funny because it yes it does look like the next generation X wing the X wing in the classic trilogy is the T sixty five X wing and the X wing in the sequel trilogy is the T seventy X wing um, so it is like the next generation X wing but the design of it go back to the original Ralph Macquarie designs of the X wing for the classic trilogy and it's right off the page. Split, split, is, split engine it, and everything. Split engine. It's the Ralph McQuarrie X-wing design. Wow. And it, it's the little things like that that they did in in Force Awakens and Last Jedi, like that, that really just kind of warm the uh, the cockles. Warm the cock. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah. Perhaps even in the subcockles. I I will. Um, I have to. I do have to point out though. It it does get a bit much at times um mainly uh finn on the falcon got to be a little too fan servicey for me um to to in two places one when he picks up the 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 uh remote thing that luke used to do his little training exercise on the falcon all those years ago remember little little floaty ball Finn picks. Yeah, the, but it, it, here, okay, it's so, hang so on. quick. It's so quick. Like I didn't even I, see. I didn't even catch it. The oh, first. I would. Now here's the thing. That by itself is fine, but then five minutes later, he's on the the chessboard, and the chessboard turns on. Now we've got the robo chess, sure. and it's like okay, I I I get it. Sure. I get it. You know what I mean? Like, okay, you're you're beating you, the horse is dead. You can stop now. Yeah. <laughs> um, again, the, the, I, 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 I'm not trying to destroy this movie at all. I'm just because again, it's not perfect. But that's one of those things that, that I that I will mention about it that that bothered me. It's kind of like okay, little much here. Let's let's step back a little bit from the fan service. I don't quite need this much. Yeah, it's it's not perfect, but it's a lot of fun. It's oh, really yeah. enjoyable. It is. Um, Kylo Ren is a great villain yes. and i like i i like what they subverted kind of expectations in this in that like everything we saw of him up to that point was him with the mask on mm-hmm. and then you kind of think uh they just gonna are we just gonna get vader 2.0 because like we had heard that like he is you know, he is very devoted to Vader and things like that. Right. And they, they do two really smart things in the first film. They take off his mask and they tell us who he is. Right. And we don't, we don't have to worry about that. And I think that does so much great service to that character because the journey that that character goes on, we now, it, there's a lot of baggage it doesn't have to carry with it to go on that journey the baggage of the mystery of who's behind the mask who's he really things like that yeah you know we had plenty of that to go around and, and other aspects of it um but yeah this this movie i would say it it met it was probably one of 
the most I'd probably put in the top five most anticipated films of all time. Yeah. Oh, I, and I, I think I think it met expectations. I would agree. Um, I know. Again, I that that whole that whole it's just the New Hope crowd. Ah, uh, for what this movie needed to be and for what it accomplished, it did exactly what it set out to do, and and it was really fun and entertaining along the way. You know what I mean? Like, uh, it. I don't know. I can't. I can't level that much criticism at it, and I know. The Star Wars fandom is just such a, a, a divided and, and rather unpleasant place to be nowadays. Um, and they, they throw everything, eh, it all died when Disney bought it, that, that whole blanket statement. And it's like, dude, no, I'm sorry, but no, yeah. that's not true. And if you were going to sit there and tell me that The Force Awakens isn't a fun movie, you're nuts. And you're just looking for, you're just looking for ways to be miserable. That's ridiculous. Force Awakens is a great movie. Um, Again, not a perfect movie. I I do have a lot of you'll uh, you can review my notes and you'll see me call out some stuff that is like, eh, could have been could have handled this better. Could have done this. This begs some questions, but it I I cannot possibly say that it's not a good a good ride, and that it doesn't cleanse the palate of the, it. It cleanses the palate of the prequels. It makes Star Wars fun again. It gives us new and exciting characters and it, it, it makes the imagination soar as to what, you know, the future is going to hold for, for all this. Um, now where we go from here, that's a different story. We'll talk about that as we go, but the force awakens does what it needs to do. And it does it in a great fun, entertaining fashion. And I am a big fan of this movie. All right. I think, uh, I think that's probably a good place as any to to land the falcon. <laughs> so yeah, um, we are going to wrap it up there. We appreciate you hanging out with us. Um, we'll be back in a couple of weeks with our revisit of the Last Jedi. And folks, just giving you a heads up: if you don't like the Last Jedi, you probably don't want to listen to that episode then, because. Because we both really like The Last Jedi. I do really like it. I haven't watched it in a little bit. So I'm curious if um, I'm going to have some some different things to say about it um, next time around. Um, I'm, op- I'm certainly... I'm not blind to, to people who criticize it. But, but I have... No. I, I have my is, feeling... We'll talk about it next time. But I definitely have my feelings about why I think it's good. So I'm going to watch it again soon with... Uh, you know, a bit more of uh, an open eye towards what I like about it and maybe try and pick up on what maybe people don't like so much about it. Um, right. And we'll see. But I, I overall, though, um, in my few viewings I have had of it, I, I do enjoy it. Um, but again, none of, these are fil- none of these films are perfect. So it's just a matter yeah. of what do they do right and what do, do, they, what do they do wrong. Um, and then where do you, where, you know, which, which side kind of comes out on top, so to speak. So, um, we shall see. Yeah. Uh, last Jedi definitely has its flaws, but, um, a lot of what it's doing right definitely makes up for those. So till that episode, as always, dear listener, if you would like to reach out to us, 
ask us some questions, uh, send us comments to be read on shows. Let us know your thoughts on some of these films. You can do so at the following social media locations. You can follow us on Twitter at Devils Do Pod. You can like our Facebook page at facebook.com slash Devils Do Pod. You can email us at the Devils Do Pod at gmail.com. Or you can find all these resources available to you on our website, the Devils Do Podcast.com. Drew, that being said, any closing thoughts? Um, we are not out of the woods in this uh, pandemic situation, so I just want to ask everyone to please, pretty please, be responsible. If you're going out, wear your mask. Think of other people. Be resp- just be respectful and keep your distance and don't pretend that this is over because, unfortunately, it is not. Um that might mean your summer plans take a hit, but you know what? That's unfortunately the way things are right now. And the, 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 the faster and the more cooperative you can be about it, then the faster we can hopefully be over all of this. But if you refuse, we're only delaying more suffering and more, more bad things. So please, 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 please just be, be, be cool to each other, respect other people, Wear your mask in public and keep 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 your distance and uh, don't pretend that everything's okay because it's not. And it's okay that it's not okay, but please do your part to make it better. All right. Works for me. Folks, thanks for joining us, and we will see you next time. Mm-hmm.